Hello, and welcome to the Living Word Pensacola podcast. Here you will find teaching from our weekly services where we focus on developing a Christ-centered life. We are delighted you have chosen to spend time with us today, and we know today's message has the power to help you grow with your faith journey. So, let's turn our hearts and our minds to God's Word as we begin today's episode. We're in the middle of a series of prayer, talking about prayer, and um, we're going to get to where we're talking about different kinds of prayer, but that we have to hit the foundation of prayer today. And this is what I really, really want to emphasize. This, this foundation of prayer, this is the prayer of faith that we're going to talk about today, right? Ephesians 6.18 is our base scripture that we're going to start with. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Be watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. God has called us to be people of prayer. He has called us to make prayer part of our lifestyle, right? But the problem is, is that so many people don't understand the rules of prayer that they get frustrated when they begin to pray because they don't see the results that they think they should have or the results that they, other people have told them about, right? There's a difference between someone saying, hey, I went and played football and had a lot of fun and we were passing and catching and decided, oh, okay, well, that sounds like fun. I'm going to go try that, but not understand the rules of football and then wonder why there's flags being thrown and problems, right? I will never forget to the day that I pass away. (laughs) Freshman year of high school, right? Freshman year, first game of the season right? We had a running back in our, it's not quite as good as the running back the boys had. They had an all-state running back that was really fast, but we had a running back um, in our in our freshman class or the class that was there that was really fast. As a matter of fact, we had uh, 11 games that freshman season where we were just playing another freshman team. Of the 11 games, we won the coin toss seven times, all seven times elected to receive, all seven times that he received immediately ran it back for a touchdown on the reception every time. He was a quick little dude, and he wasn't very big, about about 5'10", but he was fast. And he would just hit that sideline, kind of like Lawfrey, but not quite his speeds. But he would just score every time, right? So I remember the first time, first game. We actually won the kickoff that game, right? So they had kicked, he had received, he had scored a touchdown. So now I was on the kicking team. Man, we had just scored a touchdown. We got seven points on the board. The adrenaline is rushing. First game of the freshman year. Everything is fantastic. And, you know, and I'm a big guy. I'm a lineman. I played center and nose tackle all the way through high school, right? Our goal was to get down the field, tackle the guy with the ball, right? And to take care of this. And, and, and I, I won't ever forget this. We get down, right? And we are, we are tackling the guy with the ball. And the guy fumbles the ball, Right? Our guy picks it up and starts heading towards the end zone and is wide open, right? Well, I'm in tackle mode, so what's the first thing I do? Hit somebody, right? And that thing gets called back for blocking the back. And I prevented that second touchdown in my first play of the entire season. And coach is like, what are you thinking? And I'm like, I don't know. I was just excited. I was on the field and I wanted to hit somebody, right? Because the adrenaline is pumping and you're going. But if you don't understand the rules of the game, the game becomes frustrating and takes the joy out of it. If you don't understand the rules of prayer, if you don't understand how prayer works, then you're going to get frustrated and you're going to wonder, does God even hear me? Is God even listening to me? Why do I even spend this much time praying? So this morning we're going to talk about the prayer of faith. 
The prayer of faith is crucial to a believer's life. You have to understand the prayer of faith. Next week, we're gonna start talking about the prayer of agreement. We're gonna talk about corporate and united prayer, praying as a church and as a body and the power that happens. But see, the problem that I need to discuss, first of all, is we need to talk about us, right? Ever been through a counseling session, the most marriage counseling or, or, or any, of, any, you know, any, any counseling that you go through, they will always tell you, the person that you can first change and most effectively is yourself, right? I can't choose to change somebody else's choices and decisions. What I can do is choose to change me. I'm the one that can change, right? So you have, we have to start with the prayer of faith because the prayer of faith is a prayer you by yourself praying to God, right? This is where we need to start. You have to understand how to pray from you to God for things that are going on before you'll ever understand corporate prayer, prayer united prayer, the prayer um, uh, where two or more gathered together in my name, right? Where two, one can put a thousand in plight, two can put 10,000 in plight. There is a there is a agree with me. There's an agreement in prayer that is super powerful. But the thing is, is that it involves people's wills, right? It involves two people. But let's start this week. We'll get on to that next week. Let's start this week with the prayer of faith. Now, we know that Jesus taught us to pray, John 16, 23. In that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I tell you, ask the Father in my name and he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy will be made full. We know that we, in prayer, go to the Father God, and our access to Father God is in Jesus' name. Jesus paid the price, gave us access to God, okay? So we have to keep that in mind when we are praying, right? So the Lord's Prayer, in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We talked about this last week. That's a little bit about what I did right before we went into worship. That hallowed be thy name is to pause and say, I want to focus on who God is. I want to focus on the vastness of the holiness of my God. I want to stand in awe. I am but a speck of dust on a flea's back riding a dog on top of an elephant in this world, in this universe. Right? When you start thinking about it, who you are compared to who he is and the fact that he cares about you that much It'll rock your world. It really will. He is this almighty creator being who loved us that much. There are times that if we will start our prayers that way, if we will start our day that way, if we will start our, our, our everything, if we will just begin to focus on the vastness and stand in awe and holy reverence and fear of who God is, it'll change a lot of things. It changes your perspective. Now, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come your will be done. Now, I want to talk about this just a little bit before we move on. We have to understand when Jesus is teaching in the New Testament, right, what was the children of Israel so focused on? If you go all the way back to the Old Testament, right, they argued with God to have a king. They wanted a king desperately. God said, I am your king, right? I am, I am the king of kings and the Lord of lords, right? But they insisted on having a king, and they had that stuck in their heads. So God yielded and gave them a king, but also telling them that this was going to cause them problems. And it did. And it did. It caused them a lot of problems. But they wanted to be in a kingdom so much, but they wanted a natural man to be their king. Now, the Bible often refers to heaven as the kingdom of God, where he is our king. 
we have to understand that a kingdom does not operate like a democracy, right? The United States is a democracy. The kingdom of God is a kingdom. We cannot apply democratic thinking to kingdom thinking. They're not the same, right? They're not the same, right? When you are in the kingdom of heaven, the king is the head over all, and he is in charge of everything. And what he says goes. And you submit and yield to the king. And that's how a kingdom works versus a democracy where there's voting and laws and you try to, you know. Anyway, we have to understand they wanted a king. They wanted a kingdom. So much so when they knew the prophecies were, were being fulfilled when Jesus was born, they thought in their head, He's going to rise to the status of natural king over Israel and lead them as a king and a kingdom at that time. They didn't understand the concept of the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of this earth. So we have to keep that in mind. When we're reading through things in the New Testament, we have to understand kingdom. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus was teaching us that the kingdom of heaven needs to be the kingdom in place in our life. That's the kingdom that we need to begin to operate in, Right? Even when I traveled to Thailand and went on a missions trip, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, when I traveled to Thailand on a missions trip, even though I am in foreign soil, I am a United States citizen. And even in foreign soil, I still have benefits and rights of being a United States citizen if something happens. I have access, right? How many times have we heard, um, most of the time they're doing something stupid where they go off and get put in prison where teenagers or Americans are off in a different country. They do something dumb. They get thrown in prison. And the American government, government through departments and offices will work to get people released, get them brought back home, say, hey, they're, king, they're, they're citizens of our kingdom, right? Same thing, right? What happens if you have someone with, with Chinese governmental plates operating in the United States, right? They have immunity to certain things. They don't get pulled over. Their cases don't get searched if it's an official document case, right? Right? They have a building that is the Chinese embassy and it's on American soil. But when you go in that building and that property, it's considered property of China. That soil literally is Chinese soil. When you go to China and there's a United States embassy, when you're in that embassy, you're on American soil and it's defended as such. You have to understand that even though we are in this world, we are not of this world. We are of the kingdom of heaven. So we have to understand our authority and our backing comes from the kingdom of heaven even though we are in this world. Now that goes two ways. We get to reach in and access the authority, benefits, kingdom, and power of heaven to bring into this earth, but we also have the responsibility to act like we are from the kingdom of heaven. We don't act like the people in this earth even though we are in with the people of this earth. There's a responsibility that goes along with the benefits, right? And when you don't act like you, or you don't take responsibility to represent the kingdom, the king's gonna turn around and say, well, why should I give you benefits if you're not even acting like one of our citizens anyway? We have to understand kingdom thinking instead of world's thinking. Now, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and we forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This morning, we're gonna talk about the prayer of faith. Now, the prayer of faith is the most basic prayer that every Christian should understand and operate. And it ties into the fact that we are faith beings, right? The just shall live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I'm jumping ahead in my notes, Dave, right? Mark eleven twenty two, Jesus answered to them and said, have faith 
in God. Also can be translated, have the God kind of faith. Okay? For assuredly, I say unto you, whosoever, right? Are you a whosoever? I'm a whosoever. Says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will be done, he will have whatsoever he says. Therefore, Jesus said, as I say to you, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. We talked about this last week. In Matthew 21, 21 is the same thing, but Matthew's version, Jesus answered them saying, assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what is done to the fig tree, but you shall also say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and it will be done. Whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Whatever you ask, believing you will receive. So how do we talk about last week? How can I have whatsoever I ask? Well, you have to figure out how to abide. John 15, seven, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you'll be my disciples. There's three things he talks about there. When you're abiding in him and his words are abiding in you, God is glorified, right? You're bearing fruit from the kingdom of heaven into this earth and you're a disciple of Jesus, right? You're giving glory to God, you're producing something for the kingdom and you look like Jesus, there's three steps to recognize when you are abiding in him, when you have spent time with him. What does that word abide mean? It means to remain, to endure. You know, sometimes it takes some endurance to stay in the kingdom of heaven, to stay with Jesus. Everything in this world is trying to tear you out of God's presence, is trying to knock you off your walk with him, is trying to distract you. I've personally uh, removed social media from my phone. I didn't delete accounts or anything, but I, I just haven't gone on and looked at anything because I had this realization for me as a pastor mostly, and if you want to take this step, this is all you. There's a lot of distractions in this world, but I thought when I'm on Instagram or when I'm on Facebook, what am I doing? My wife often joked with me that you never post anything on there. It's why you don't see anything because this is an algorithm-based program. You make a post, people comment on your post, you comment on their comments, and the more you do that, the more you see, right? But no, I was a Facebook stalker. I'm just gonna go see what everybody else is doing. I never made a comment, never made a post, never made anything. But by being a Facebook stalker, what am I really? I'm a consumer of what Facebook wants me to see, right? And I've seen it proven time and time again. All of a sudden you start talking about going on a cruise, scroll three or four scrolls down your phone and there's an advertisement for going on a Royal Caribbean cruise. I mean, they are listening. Google is listening, right? And they're watching and they're wanting to advertise to you based on what you're talking about. It's crazy, it's crazy, okay? I'm a consumer of what they want me to see. And I thought, do I want to be a consumer of what this world is trying to show me. I mean, people talk about the mindless scrolling, mindless scrolling through Facebook, mindless scrolling through Instagram, through reels, through videos. I'm just sitting here doing this and eventually you get to this point of you're like, man, I'm just blowing an hour. What am I really doing? What am I really consuming, right? See, when I was a kid before social media even existed, yes, I am that old, that there was no social media when I was a kid. 
Apparently, I am not too also not a spring chicken. But <laughs> when I was a kid and there was no social media, right? The big thing was the amount of television that you watch. Are you one of those that sit in front of the TV? All? Well, you got to get outside and do something. You're sitting in front of the TV all the time. When we were kids, Saturday morning, a couple cartoons, out to play. There was no hours in front of the television, right? If you wanted to watch a movie, you were paying money and going to a building. It was out of your house. It wasn't even in your home, you know? Because back then, if you wanted all the channels, you had to have that massive satellite dish in your yard, right? And you were rich. If you had that big satellite dish in your yard, you're rich. Because only the rich people had that. Because it would turn to the satellites and have all the channels and everything else. I remember that was before cable. We had, a, we had an antenna. It was the, the, the three-bar thing that went up in the air, the antenna. I remember when we got fancy, when Dad put a, a motor on the antenna, and inside you could point it north, south, east, and west, and you point that antenna where the local broadcasts were coming from to get better reception. Like if you're going to watch CBS out of Champaign, then you got to point it in this direction. You're watching it out of Springfield, you got to move the antenna. And you would move the little button and the antenna, and it would move towards whatever. We thought we were pretty high-tech for our five channels, you know. But it's completely different. We spent a lot of time outside and everybody was focused on that. But the same thing. The same thing with television, right? Which when I was in Rhema, Brock saw this recently, pulled out my Rhema Bible, the Bible I carried with me through Bible school. And in there is a quote from Brother Hagin that said, TV distracts you from the emptiness of your life and the deadness of your soul. See, what is distracting us from really getting from God and having the relationship with him that we want? What's distracting us? Are we mindlessly scrolling on Facebook? Are we watching YouTube videos to no end? You know, I'm not saying don't have social media. I'm not saying any of that stuff. That's between you and God. If, it's, if you have a problem with it, well, then you pray and have the Lord tell you what to do. But for me, I thought, I no longer want to be a consumer of what they're offering me. I want to choose what I'm consuming, right? I'm dieting, dieting right now, trying to slim down. I'm watching what I'm consuming to change who I am right? I'm, I'm counting calories. I'm focusing on fats, proteins, and carbs. I'm watching what I'm consuming to change what I see. We know this as a natural principle, but the same principle applies spiritually. Whatever you consume through your eyes, your ears, right? Your inputs will gauge the health of your heart and the health of who you are. I don't want to be a consumer of what the world has to offer. I want to be a producer of the kingdom. I want to be able to reach into things of the kingdom and heaven's realm and produce them in this earth, not just for my benefit, but for the benefit of everyone else around me. See, that's also a kingdom thinking. Too many people are stuck thinking, I want to reach in and access the benefits of heaven to bless me. When there's an ambassador sent to a different country, he's an ambassador to that whole country. And if all he ever does is access the benefits of the nation just to bless him in that position and not influence change in the whole nation that he's in, is he really an ambassador? We might have that these days. I don't know all the ambassadors the United States has across the world. You know, some of them might be just ambassador positions because they just want to go to a bunch of fancy balls and wear nice clothes all the time. I don't know. I don't know their hearts. I don't know all these people. But I know a lot of Christians that want the access and benefits of heaven to live in this world as rich, prosperous, and blessed, and healthy, healed, and whole for them and could care less about anybody else walking around them. 
See, the problem with that is, is that you no longer have the heart of the Father when you reach that point and you begin to lose access into things in the kingdom of heaven. Now, the prayer of faith also has rules. We know we have to abide in him to remain, endure, dwell, not depart, to be present, to be held, to be kept continually. That's what that word abide means. So faith is a kingdom principle. It's not part of the world system. We have to think of faith, not just blind faith that some people talk about. Faith is a kingdom principle. In Hebrews 10 and 11, most people think it's Paul that wrote Hebrews, but it's not actually documented anywhere on who the author of Hebrews was, but it sounds a lot like the rest of Paul's writings. In Hebrews chapter 10, the author, which I think is Paul, was trying to encourage everybody. If you read the entire chapter of chapter 10, he's actually talking about hardships and troubles and problems. And he's talking about you're going to face persecutions as a Christian, as a representative of God. You're going to face problems. This world is gonna throw everything it has at you because the devil does not want you to be successful. He wants you to look bad because he wants people to think that the kingdom of heaven is bad. And he's been successful sometimes. He gets people confused and knocked off and not understand prayer, not understand the rules of prayer, and all of a sudden that doesn't work, and then what happens, right? One person experiences something good, they tell a couple people. One person experiences something bad, they tell 20, 30 people. Don't go to that place, that was horrible, right? I ate at that restaurant and there were cockroaches crawling on the floor, you know? What was one cockroach crawling off across the floor turned in, there were 50 cockroaches everywhere and there was hair in the, I'm all, you know, they exaggerate the bad. They exaggerate all of this stuff. And the devil likes to do that. He likes to take one person's failure and amplify, well, then that just doesn't work. Throw everything out. God's not real. Come on now. And he starts destroying everything. He likes to do that. Now, in Hebrews, he's saying persecution is going to happen. Problems are gonna come, but you're gonna have to learn how to abide you're gonna have to allure and learn how to endure. How do you stay in your walk with God, okay? So Hebrews 10, 23, it says, hold fast to your confession. The first thing that he's telling us here is, you have to watch what you say. Your words are that important. We spent a whole series talking about the power of your words. But it says here, hold fast to the confession of our hope, right? Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. But the three, the three of them together is a power trio. Faith, hope, and love, okay? Hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is also faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. Okay, do you know one of the things that will help you stay holding on to your confession is encouraging someone else. The more you spend time focusing on helping other people, the stronger your confession of faith gets because that's how the body of Christ is designed. We've talked about this as a church. We are a, we are a discipleship church. In other words, I, as Pastor Paul, can only manage so many people which is why you see most American churches are either under 200 people or they're this mega church. Most churches cap at 200. You know why? 
Because they've actually scientifically proven through Barnum studies and other things that one person can't manage more than about 200 relationships. And what's happening is, is the entire church thinks it's the pastor's responsibility to grow the sheep. Now it is. It is. It's my responsibility to listen to the presence of God, listen to the kingdom of heaven, find the, the, the word that is for today, right? To spend time in the kitchen preparing the word, just like prepare a meal, right? And I want to serve a meal that even though all the plates look different, you've been that way, right? I've been a big family dinner, right? Dad's plate looks a whole lot different than the youngest kid that's at the table. The youngest kid has smaller portions based on mom knows this is all they're going to eat. I'm going to give them a lot of this because they really like that. They don't really care for the green beans, but I'm going to still put a few of them on the plate because I know they need them. You know, church is the same way. You know, as I'm preparing this sermon, as I'm ministering all of this, there are things that for those people that are more mature, there's pieces of meat that need to come out for us to consume, to get the protein that we need. But I'm also going to take that meat and cut it up as small as I can so that even the youngest person is still going to benefit spiritually from being in the service. But the discipleship picture that we need to have is the meal being produced. You're taking that meal and you're sharing it with everyone else that you're discipling. You're also taking that word from God. You're studying it and understand it. But you know... In the work setting, we understand this, right? I'm going to come in and I know nothing. I'm going to learn how to do this and I'm going to become proficient at it, right? So I'm going to watch somebody do it. I'm going to do it with somebody. Then I'm going to do it by myself. And most people stop there. I watched you do it. You and I did it together. Now I'm doing it myself. But there's a fourth piece. When you teach somebody else how to do it, that learning process solidifies, you actually gain the complete picture when you can get to a point that you can not only do it, but you can teach it. See, and the word of God is the same way. We want to come in and we want to be we're, some things of the spirit or some things of God we're new at and we're watching. And then we're like, okay, Pastor Paul's teaching on prayer. I'm gonna listen to how he prays or listen to how somebody else prays that I trust and I'm gonna learn how to pray. And then I'm gonna start praying on my own. But he wants you to go one step further than that. He wants you to start to teach people that you're discipling how to pray. Because that is the complete picture. That's how a healthy church grows is when we are all discipling each other. The pastor is bringing the word and he's teaching the word. But this process of feeding, right? When you feed a mother lamb, that is completely digested, turned into milk and fed to the babies. There's times where that spiritual word of God will do the same thing in your life. You've got it. You've taken it. You've eaten it. And you're now producing milk for a baby going, let me take this word of God and make it something that you can consume. That will still help you grow and get you to a point in the church where you can eat the plate off the food, right? You're transitioning from milk to sitting at the table, to learning how to feed yourself, to growing to a point to where you then have kids. See, spiritual growth and natural growth are the same. And a healthy church is one where you come in and you're learning and you're understanding, and then you're turning around and teaching those people that is called, God has called you to disciple. He's called you to be fishers of men. He's told everyone to go into the world and share the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? He didn't say that was a commandment, but what did he say was a commandment? Discipleship. That's an actual commandment. I command you. Versus go ye therefore into the world was, you know, I'll need to go and share the good news. But discipleship was a commandment. We'll get to that one of these days. Now, 
Hebrews, that we were in 1023, let's jump to 1035. It says, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and not tarry. Verse 38, the just shall live by faith. Faith should be a part of your lifestyle. It should be a part of who you are. Something that you do every day, just like putting on your shoes. Faith should be a part of your lifestyle. You live by faith every day. I use all the muscles in my body most of the time. Until all of a sudden I do an action or something out of the ordinary and realize, oh, I got a muscle there that is really sore now that apparently doesn't get used very often because now it's screaming at me, right? But that happens to most Christians. All of a sudden they need to believe God in faith for something because they're in crisis and they start to try to use their faith and their faith muscles hurt because they've never been used or exercised or worked and then they wonder why they're having problems. Now, the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back my soul has no pleasure in him but we are not of those who draw back to perdition but of those who believe to the saving of the soul now faith is so you know it goes from chapter 10 to chapter 11 and we only separated these so that we could study it out but it's a letter this letter is continuous right says the just shall live by faith don't pull back because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the inner assurance that those things you've prayed and asked God for are already yours, even though you cannot see them. It is the substance of things hoped for. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things that were visible. In other words, he spoke something into existence that was not visible. That's how faith works. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, right? But see, people in this world have a problem with that. They have a problem with that. I want to be able to see it. I want to be able to touch it. I want to be able to taste it. I, I'm not going to understand until I get, you know, to where I can put my hands on it. That's world's thinking. Faith thinking says, I already know that it's mine because it was promised to me by the king. Okay? So how do we successfully pray the prayer of faith? We've done a little bit of teaching on faith. Now, I've done a lot on faith, but there, I did a little bit there. Prayer of faith is, is, is taking faith in the prayer form to see something changed in your life. Here are six steps to walk the prayer of faith, okay? These are the six steps of the prayer of faith. Number one, and the most important thing, have you ever had a conversation with a kid about Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? Oh, I don't even know. Some of them write lists, right? Some of them do some stuff out. Or when you're sitting around our house, what do you want for Christmas? Oh, I'm not really sure what I want for Christmas. I don't know, I kind of got all these different things, right? You can't come to God in the prayer of faith not knowing what you want. Step one, what do you want from God? Make a decision. What do I want from God? You can't come to, you can't come to God just saying, God, I hope you know all the things that I need. You gotta make up your mind. You gotta be decisive. If you want the prayer of faith, you have to first know, what do I want from God? What do I want from God? All right, 
in James 1.6, it says, let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea tossed and driven by the wind. For let not a man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. For a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So it's not only what you want, right? But is it a, is it a worldly thing that you want? Is it a kingdom thing that you want? What do you want? Don't be a double-minded, a double-minded man is someone who's trying to understand things of the kingdom and things of the world and trying to blend these two principles together. You're either of the kingdom or you're of this world. Going back and forth between kingdom and world and kingdom and world is gonna make you unstable and it's gonna ruin your faith. Now, James 1.6 in the, um, I'm sorry, this is a passion translation. says, just make sure you ask empowered by confident faith without doubting that you'll receive for the ambivalent person believes one minute and doubts the next. Are you asking God in confidence? What do you want from God? Right? So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the six steps, but I'm going to walk you through something that's happening in my life right now. For those that remember a few weeks ago, came in here with a knee brace on, right? I went for a walk and apparently not being a spring chicken, got a really sore knee and there was a few days there where I felt like I couldn't even walk I'm hobbling I'm hobbling around I was it was in bad shape and I thought oh my gosh right now what do I want I want my knee to be healed I need my legs to walk right it ties into my calling it ties into my job it ties into being a dad I want to walk I want healing for my knee I have made a decision on what I want from God. God, I want healing in my knee. That was step one. Step two, read scriptures that promise an answer to what you're asking God for, okay? So, remember it says, if my words abide in you and you, and you shall ask whatsoever you say, right? So I want his words, right? Rhema word, logos word. Rhema is the spoken word of God. Logos is the written word of God, the Bible. I want his word to be my word so that my prayer will be answered. So I have to find out what are God's words for what I'm believing for. Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate, which I think I left it in there. Meditate means mutter, utter, speak, and ponder. That you will meditate in it day and night that you observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then you will make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. Observe to do, right? Mutter, utter, speak, and ponder. I want to observe to do something. Faith has an action component to it. I want to observe in the word of God, read and study the word of God to take action based on what I'm observing. This book of law shall not depart out of your mouth. Meditate therein. I have to find a scripture that is a foundation of my faith for what I'm asking God for, okay? Speaking the word builds my faith. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Who is the one person who you always have to listen to everything they say? Yourself. You will always hear every word that comes out of your mouth. You're the one person that you cannot ignore. What you say, you hear. So if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, shouldn't your mouth be saying the word of God so that you get the faith in your life you need to answer the prayers that you're praying God for, right? So what do I do? I need healing in my knee. So I need to find the word 
to be the foundation of what I'm requesting from heaven. So what does it say? 1 Peter 2, 24, who himself, Jesus, bore our sins on his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, may live for righteousness, whose stripes, whose by whose stripes, you were healed. So if I was healed then, then I am healed now. Okay, Isaiah 53, 4, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed, right? Then I know, well, is it God's will for me to be healed? A lot of people ask that question. Is it God's will for me to be healed? Well, did Jesus ever tell anybody, no, I can't heal you, right? No, as a matter of fact, in Luke 5, 13, when the leper came to him and said, I'm a leper, I'm unclean, I'm unworthy, and he literally went to him and said, are you willing? Jesus said, I am willing, be cleansed, and immediately the leprosy left his body. Immediately. There is nowhere in the word of God where it says, I do not want you to be healed. Nowhere. There are multiple places where it says, his payment on the cross is for my healing as well as everything else. So I know, and I now have scripture foundation to believe God. But God, you said in your word, by your stripes, I'm healed. I take this word and I say, by your stripes, my knee is healed. I've now found a foundation in the word for what I'm asking God for, okay? Then I move to number three, which is the most important where most people stop, right? I have to ask God. I know it seems simple, but a lot of people know the word and do nothing with it. I know God wants me healed. I know his Bible says, by his stripes I am healed. I know this is in the word, right? And I'm just gonna walk along hoping God heals me. When it says in Matthew 7, 7, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives he who seeks finds he who knocks the door is opened jump down to verse 11 it says if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who what hope that he gives it to them who just thinks it's going to show up one day no to those who ask him you have not because you ask not just because you know it's the will of God, just because you have scripture for it, just because you think your faith is growing, if you don't ask, you will not receive. It requires action. Faith requires action. You have to open your mouth and ask. Out loud, not just in your head and in your thoughts. Jesus didn't, or the Lord didn't stand in the Old Testament in the beginning and think, let there be light. No, he spoke, let there be light. And he created us in his image and we are also supposed to speak. You have to ask. So I can know the scriptures on healing, right? But I'm gonna stop and say, okay, Father, I ask in Jesus' name, remember? We ask the Father in Jesus' name. I ask you right now in Jesus' name, to send your healing power to my knee, to heal it from top to bottom, to restore the ligaments, to fix whatever's going wrong that I don't even know that's going wrong because by your stripes, I was healed. And if I was healed, I am healed. I ask you that for complete healing right now in Jesus' name. I've now asked.
right? Step four, believe that you receive. We're just following the scripture, right? Therefore, I say unto you, whatever things you ask when you pray, so we've asked and we've prayed, believe that you receive them and you will have them. The Amplified says, for this reason I'm telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, be trustful and confident that it is granted to you and you will get it. Now, does it say that I believe after I've received? No, it says you first believe, then you receive. See, there's two kinds of truth. I touched on this a minute ago. There's two kinds of truth. There's sense knowledge truth, and there's revelation knowledge truth. The sense knowledge is what I can touch, what I can taste, what I can feel, right? The world wants to run by what their five senses can tell them. I'll believe it when I see it, right? But the Bible says, revelation knowledge, what has been revealed to us through his logos word and his rhema word gives us access to what we need. If I went to the police station and I told them, I said, I own a 2015 Honda Sonata. It's gray. It's got stickers in the back window. It's got leather interior. And this is my car and somebody stole it. Please go get me my car back because that's my car. I own that car. I'm making payments on that car. I want my car back. What are they going to want from me? They're going to want to know that I own that car. They're going to want proof that that car is mine, right? So what do I do? I go get the title. That title says that car with that identification number belongs to me. So what is the word of God? It's our title. The word of God is our title deed to the benefits in the kingdom of heaven. Right? When I looked and said, by his stripes I am healed, I am pulling out the paper, the title that says healing is mine, even though I don't currently have it, right? But I have the title deed that says it's mine. And by accessing the title, I now release the power in the spirit to get the, obtain what I've been praying for, right? But I take the title to the police. They now say, okay, you legally own that. They now have authority because of that title to go obtain that car on my behalf to bring it back to me. Same thing spiritually happens. When I have the title, which is the word of God, I release the power of the spirit for ministering angels and other, other things in the spirit world to bring me what has already been promised to me that I've been given the title to, even though I don't physically have it. We have to think of it that way. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the title deed to obtain what is already ours even though we don't have possession of it, right? Faith is the substance. Faith grasps the desired thing in the spiritual world, in the kingdom of heaven, and brings it into the world that we're in right now. This happens when you get saved. You know, people, people struggle with this and they're like, oh, Pastor Paul, I'm not sure I can, I can believe for healing in my knee and I understand the word says that, but this seems really hard and I don't know that I've got that much faith. Well, are you saved? Right? Salvation is the exact, salvation by faith. That's what it is. You know that the Bible says Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I accept this written, right, as a promise to obtain my salvation. That's the same faith it takes to get saved is the same faith that you used to get healed, the same faith that you used to get blessed, the same faith that you use in your entire walk with God all the time. It's the same faith. It's no different. And it's no more complicated. 
This same six-step process can be used at salvation too. Now, I know that if I have enough faith to get saved, I have enough faith to get healed. So I believe that Jesus paid the price for my healing and that it is his word or his desire that I'm healed. So I'm just gonna believe that I receive. Thank you, Jesus. I believe that I receive the healing that is in my body right now, right? Takes me to step number five. I have to refuse. That word refuse means to actively push against. I have to refuse to doubt. This is another area where people get in problems. They start off in faith. I've went to the police department. I've shown them the title to my car. Nah, they're probably never gonna bring it back. It's gone forever. I'm moving on. And they let go of the promises of God before they ever receive the promises and the blessings. You know it's yours, right? If something was stolen from you that you have legal claim to, wouldn't you be adamant about getting it back and pursue after it with everything you have, especially if it's something that's that valuable to you? Wouldn't you insist on it? Wouldn't you talk about it every day? Wouldn't you demand that it be yours? Well, the kingdom of heaven, the principles and the blessings of God are the exact same way. I refuse to doubt. Back to James again. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. The double-minded is someone who's, who's stuck between, I can't see it in this real world, but I know it's God's blessing, and they're this back and forth wavering. One minute they're like, oh, I don't know if I'm ever gonna get healed. Man, my knee really hurts, right? And the other minute they're like, oh, I don't know that healing is part of the children's bread. I know that it, by his stripes I am healed. And they continually go back and forth. And what are they usually doing? They're using their own words to nullify their faith because they're saying something negative, then they're saying something positive, then they're saying something, they're a double-minded man and they're unstable, unstable. This is where people start to lose their blessing. I remember when I went to Thailand when I was a kid, I went there twice through a missions trip at Teen Mania and I had to save up money. Now, I, I worked summer jobs and I worked other odd jobs in anywhere I could, but a trip to Thailand was about $3,600 and this was back in the 90s. So about $3,600 to go, which was a lot of money back then. It was still a lot of money now, but it was a lot of money. And I was working, I put my hand to stuff and I was believing God and I was praying saying, Lord, Man, I just know I'm supposed to go on this mission strip. I know this is something you've told me to do. So I ask right now that you provide the finances. And I remember I was 1,650 some dollars short within two weeks of the time that I was supposed to leave. And there was only one church service left. And I went to church that Sunday and the pastor of the church, this was before Pastor Doug, the pastor of the church that was there said, we wanna take up a special offering for you. I'm in agreement with you. This is something you need to do. And I said, okay. And I remember him getting up to take up an offering. And I remember thinking, there's a lot of people missing today. Why isn't everybody in church today? <laughs> right? You're kind of looking around the room going, okay, God, there's not very many people here. It seems like a lot of money. And I remember thinking to myself, well, they've already taken up two other offerings here over the last six months. And each of them was just a few hundred dollars. And I'm going, I need 1,650 some dollars. And it seemed impossible. I had to work that afternoon, so I left church immediately when pastor said amen. I was out the back door getting in my car because I worked 40-some miles away from where church was, drive all the way back down to Farmer City. And I remember being at work that afternoon, thinking on the inside of myself, God, this has to be you for me to go on this trip. I can't do it on my own. 
I'm relying on the fact that you've told me to do this. I'm thanking you for it. And I remember that entire afternoon was a battle to stay in faith, to not start doubting, to not start speaking negative things, to not saying, well, it's never going to happen. Maybe I'll go next year, right? Just staying in faith. God, you told me to go. I'm going to go. And I worked. And it was nighttime. I came home, and my mom had gone to the evening service, which I didn't make. And I was on the back porch on a swing. And my mom came walking outside, and she says, what are you doing? I said, I'm just thanking God. I know I'm supposed to go on this trip, Mom. I know I'm supposed to go. I said, God will bring in the money. I don't know how, but God will bring in the money. And she said, well, I have the check from, from Pastor. He put an envelope, and it's for you. And it was $25 more than I needed. $25 more. I was able to buy a few things. I took the extra $25 and was able to buy a few trinkets on my first trip. That's how faith works. You have to reach a point where you're like, I am not going to doubt. I'm not going to doubt God, right? When I started praying for healing for my knee and I got up the next morning, it was worse. I almost fell on the ground. I tell, well, it's first thing in the morning. You go to the bathroom, right? And I about fell off the toilet. Because when you go to sit, you got to bend everything. And here I am in some customer's place in random wherever, almost laying on the ground in some weird business toilet bathroom. And thinking to myself, this hurts. And I had a choice to make. Am I going to give in to this hurts and start complaining? Or am I going to stand in faith and say, regardless of the fact that I'm almost laying on this nasty toilet floor, do I still believe that God wants me healed? Do I still believe? There are points and times in your life where you're going to hit that. When you're believing God for something and it seems like you've fallen as far as you can fall to the most disgusting place you can end up in this gross part going, am I going to believe this or not? You have to choose. Am I going to doubt? Or do I believe? Do I believe that healing is mine? Do I pick myself up? I sit there and said, I am not. I'm not going to ramble on. I'm going to thank him. I'm going to thank him. But you know what else I'm going to do? I'm also going to go buy an ankle, or a brace. I went and got a brace. I put ice on it. I'm taking ibuprofen. I'm doing everything I know to do to, in all reality, manage the symptoms while I'm standing in faith was what I was doing because I still have to function. And there are times you'll be that way. I'm going to start managing the symptoms of what's going on, right? If you're believing God for your bills to be paid, you're still going to have to do something. You're still going to have to work. You're still going to have to chunk towards the debt. You're still going to have to take actions while you're standing in faith to see the blessings come to pass. But it did not knock me off where my faith needed to be. Because why? Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but shall meditate therein in day and night. Mutter, utter, speak, and ponder. I'm saying thank you, Jesus, that by your stripes I am healed. I'm saying it under my breath. I'm saying it as I'm climbing on the back of the semi in complete pain, trying to figure out how to get my job done. Thank you, Jesus, that you're not letting me fall off this truck and hurt myself. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm not making this any worse. Right? Still having to stand in faith, still mutter, utter, speak, and ponder. Why? Because my faith is going to grow when I hear the word of God. And if I mutter, utter, speaking, and pondering, then what am I doing? I'm speaking the word that's growing my faith to see the promise delivered. That's why it's that important. What does Proverbs chapter 4 verse 20 say? My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. 
I have to stay focused. Remember, I went and found scriptures that promised me what I was believing God for, and I asked God for it. And now's the time. Am I going to doubt it, or am I going to believe it? And am I going to look to what I see and what I feel? Because what I felt was a lot of pain. What I saw was a swollen knee. I mean, it got big, swollen. What I knew is God wanted me healed. Because this is going to hinder me and cause problems with what he's called me to do. I know this seems something simple, but this applies across the board, okay? Because the Bible says in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this word, world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As Christians, we are not matured, we are transformed. Maturity, like it happens in this earth, is not the same as it is in the spirit as in the natural. We are transformed. Literally, that word means metamorpho is the Greek word. It means to be transformed from the inside to the outside, similar to what a butterfly goes through when they're in a cocoon. You are literally transformed into something else. We are allowing the word of God to come inside of us because we're not conformed to this world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind right? So we're, what are we doing in renewing our mind? We're mutter, utter, speaking, and ponder. I'm going to focus on the Word of God to renew my mind with the Word and allow that Word to transform me from the inside to the outside. Even though, even though there was still pain, even though I was still in pain, even though I was limping really good, I am not going to be in doubt. I'm going to thank Him for the promises that He's blessed me. The last thing is where you'll go over the top. Standing where you're trying not to doubt, right? That fight right there is a lot easier when you employ number six. Praise God. Give God praise. Give God thanks. Focus on who he is and the benefits of the kingdom of heaven and the vastness of God, which is where some of what you saw before worship this morning. That's been my heart's meditation for a week and a half now. I am going to focus on God. I'm not going to get on social media right? I'm not going to, to watch a bunch of TV shows. I'm not going to listen to a bunch of audiobooks. As a matter of fact, I went the entire week and will probably stay this way for foreseeable future, listening to sermons, listening to people speak the word of God. Because if I'm not going to speak it myself, I want to listen to it because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And I'm going to put as much of that hearing in me as I can. I want to be so consumed with the word of God that I have no room to doubt, no room. And I'm gonna praise him and I'm gonna thank him. I had a couple times this week where I put on worship music and just began to worship and glorify the God and just praise myself happy right there in my truck. I can only imagine, I had one time where I was driving down the road and all this and it just stopped and realized there's a camera in this truck pointed at me for accident purposes. I thought, I wonder if they randomly watch these. <laughs> Is he gonna watch me praising God going down the road? I hope they do, maybe somebody gets blessed by that. <laughs> But in Philippians 4, 6, it says this, be anxious for nothing. There is nothing in this world that deserves your anxiety. Be anxious for nothing, for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Because when you do, when you choose thankfulness, when you choose joy, when you give God praise, Verse seven, the peace of God, which will surpass your brain, your understanding, what you can conceive up here. It'll surpass this. 
and it will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus and help you stay in faith to obtain the promise. That's where thanksgiving comes in. In Amplified it says, do not fret or have anxiety about anything. Nothing. So I just spent the week praising him, saying thank you Jesus. And I'm not wearing a brace. I've not had medication in several days, right? There was once where I bent down and I thought, okay, well there's a little pinch there something. God's still doing work, right? But I'm climbing in and out, walking perfectly fine, thanking God that I'm healed and whole in Jesus' name. And I'm gonna continue to do so until everything is completely gone. I, there's still tightness there. It's still stiff in the morning, stretching it out. I'm thanking him for healing every single day, every single day. And I'm gonna continue to do that until I see the fullness. I'm not gonna quit when I just get part of it. If I'm believing God for $1,000, am I gonna quit believing God because 500 bucks came in? I'm gonna keep thanking him. I remember Pastor Hagen or Brother Hagen telling a story when we were at Bible school and I've been listening to a lot of the old recordings. I have all the recordings from his prayer class that he taught when I was in school back in the 90s. And he told the story of when he first started traveling, he had set his faith out there and he had, he had called Aretha, which was his wife, and they were in a prayer of agreement. They believe in God that this week's worth of meetings was gonna bring in $150. And that was all the expenses they need. Of course, this is back in depression era and $150 went a long ways, you know, but he believed in God for $150. And there was time for them to count the offering. And he said back then they would just kind of count the offering, record on the books and give you the cash as the minister because they didn't write checks and do all the other stuff that we do nowadays. But they went to count the offering and it was only $126 and change. And he looked at the pastor and says, well, we better count it again. I asked in faith for $150. There's gonna be $150 because God's not a liar. Pastor kind of looked at him and they, okay, well, we'll count it again. They counted that three or four times. They switched piles and each counted each other's piles. Still came up with $126. And the pastor says, well, what are you going to do? And he said, well, I'm going to sit here until God reveals to me where the 150 is or else I'm going to stay in your church for two more weeks because I need to get up before the people and tell them that God's a liar. Because I asked in faith for $150 and there's going to be $150 because that's what God said would work. And the pastor's like, okay, well, they counted the money again, $126. And the pastor said, well, okay. Well, they started thinking about it. And so he said, well, let's pray. They prayed. And God said, and God reminded him, you have an envelope in your jacket. The guy pulls it, oh, that's right. That's right about the bookstore. There was a lady that came in and he used to sell Bibles and books. So he pulled this out and said, well, this was a bookstore check, which is a little bit different because that's just covering the cost. But he opened it up and there was the lady's $8 that she had spent for the two books and an additional $25 as an offering to the ministry. He says, well, now we can go on because I have a little over $150 and I've done exactly what God said. See, God, are we gonna believe it with that much fervency? Are we gonna believe it with that much passion where when we believe God for this, we know he's going to provide. And when it doesn't look like he's providing, are we gonna walk away and go, well, I guess it was good enough? Or are we gonna hold him to his word? How strong and how strong in faith are you gonna stand? But there are two things that I wanna finish with this and we'll close up for today. There's two things that will kill your prayer of faith. Two things. These are the top two areas where people get knocked out of their prayer of faith. Number one is not knowing God's word. That, remember that foundation of the prayer of faith? You need to go to the scriptures. You need to find a scripture. You need to have foundation of faith to be able to believe God for something. You can't stand in faith for something that you don't know that God said, right? If, if Aiden comes to me and we have a conversation and I tell Aiden, I am going to pay the tuition for you to go to college, then he knows because I've given him my word 
that I'm going to do that and I'm going to pay tuition. Now, can Aiden just on his own with no conversation decide he's going to go to college and say, well, my dad will pay for this when dad has not said that? But yet people walk through their Christian life that way. Oh, God will take care of this. Well, did he promise that? Did he actually tell you he was going to do this or not? You have to have word as a foundation for your faith. Now, it could be the Logos word, which is what I just said. By his stripes, I am healed. It could also be a rhema word. That's the spoken word of God. When we were moving, when we knew we were supposed to move to Florida and we came down here on a vacation, we're walking through Pensacola. I know the, from the still small voice in the inside, the Lord said, this is where I want you to start a church. Because I was actually looking over in the Destin Fort Walton area because that's where Dave lived and we had friends over there and I thought, well, let's look over here. And I was frustrated because we were visiting Dave. We love Dave and Miss Melanie was still with us at the time, right? I wanted to tell them, yeah, we're gonna start a church right down here because of my relationship with Dave, but that's not what God said. And every time I was going around Fort Walton, I'm like, this isn't it, this isn't it. And I was hesitant to tell Dave because I love Dave and we have a great relationship. I don't wanna disappoint Dave. How many times in our life have we ignored the voice of God and gone with the voice of reason because we don't wanna disappoint a person, we don't wanna disappoint a situation, and yet we head off to do something without the word from the Lord. And when I came into Pensacola and God said, here's where I want you to start a church. I now have the word of the Lord. I now have something to base my prayer of faith off of, which is why I had the inner assurance to say, we're gonna have a building by the end of this fall. Because the Lord said, you're gonna be in a building by the end of this fall. So I said, okay, Lord said it. I'm gonna make my words match his words and we're gonna see it come to pass. We're gonna do this next week and the following week because eventually we wanna be in a building where all the heat doesn't run away, right? And we're gonna need a little more room and some different chairs. But we're not gonna end up in that building if we never ask God for anything. If we don't agree in prayer for anything, we'll never see it if we don't ask for it. We're gonna do that in the future. That's something that's coming up. I thought it'd be today, but it ended up not being today. That's something God wants us to do. Now, the second thing is this, and this is a big one. Remember Mark eleven twenty three, 23? Speaking of the mountain, right? And then Jesus says, uh, whatever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them. I'm gonna jump a slide here, Dave. Verse 25 says this, this immediately after. Therefore, what's everything you ask when you pray, believe you receive them? Verse 24, verse 25 says, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Unforgiveness will kill your prayer faith. You cannot stand in faith with God if you have someone that you are not forgiving. It'll kill your prayers. The Bible literally says that unforgiveness will hinder your prayers and it's like God will never even hear them. Remember back in the Lord's Prayer, right? If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, he will not forgive you yours. If you want your prayer of faith to work, you have to know the word of the Lord and you have to walk in forgiveness as a part of who you are, as a part of your very being. No matter what circumstances, here's another thing too, while you're standing in faith, the devil will try to come in and put you in situations where you're not gonna forgive someone and kill your faith. You will have marvelous opportunities to walk in unforgiveness. He will have people that will say offensive things towards you, things that are intentionally aimed to hurt you. People don't realize it, but a person can yield to the devil and let their mouth run 
and cause problems and try to knock you out of faith. He does not want you to see the blessings of the kingdom. He does not want you to succeed. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come to bring you life and life more abundantly. Don't let unforgiveness kill your prayers and not see what God has for you, amen? Amen. Father, I thank you for this morning. Father, we have eyes to see and ears to hear exactly what you're teaching us, what you're showing us. Father, we receive this word by faith and we let this word ruminate in us. We're gonna focus on your word this week. Mutter, utter, speak, and ponder. We're gonna think about your words. We're gonna focus on your words. We're gonna abide in you, Father, and let your words abide in us so that when we ask, when we pray, we'll believe that we receive and we'll see it come to pass. We'll have it in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for these promises. Thank you for laying it out so plain and simple. And Father, thank you this week. I pray that everyone in this room is gonna have an opportunity to take a bit of this word and share it with someone else. Father, show us who we're supposed to share this with, who we're supposed to teach this to, who we're supposed to help grow with the sincere milk of the word. Father, thank you for allowing us to be your disciples for protecting us. Father, I speak for blessing, protection, health, and healing over this body. Father, for financial freedom, for financial uh, wisdom, Father, for smartness and how to handle the money of this world and not let it entangle us and ensnare us. But Father, let it be a tool that produces your kingdom. Let it be a blessing to us and not a trap. Father, thank you for giving us the wisdom to stand on your word, to believe that we receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Paul, and I wanted to thank you personally for joining us today. Now, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do that will help us out. Hit the subscribe button and rate and review our podcasts. If you would like to invest in helping us reach more people for Christ, head over to livingwordpensacola.com and click on the online giving button. Thanks again for joining us today. Now go out and tell somebody about the love of Jesus.